0: Hey hey, welcome to Dading Podcast, I'm your host Tiago Oliveira and this is a podcast about fatherhood, relationships and the amazing world of parenting. Today's episode is about men's mental health and we're going to talk with Dan Dotti, the founder of Everyman, a community created to help men to connect with their feelings and understand themselves. Welcome Dan and thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be here and finding time between your work, time with your kids and also time difference to record this episode today.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be here. I feel welcome to be, to be here.
0: I can't start with another way than saying that things in U.S. are like with the COVID and the protests in US. So, How's everything there? Your family? How are you feeling about it?
1: Oh man. How's everything here? It's wild. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it feels like the whole, um, you know, whole culture is going through a, a birth canal of sorts. Oh, I mean, both, it's both a death and the and a birth all at once. And so, yeah, if this is, if this podcast is mostly for fathers and they've experienced, um, either a death in the family or the birth of their children, um, it's a big, it's a big freaking deal, um, I am also in the midst of a a personal change. We've been living in California for a long time and we actually, we're moving, we uprooted uh, and we're in between homes right now. So we're, I'm actually in my parents' basement in Minnesota and uh, back to the roots. (laughs) I feel um, really, I'm just, I guess the best way is I'm just feeling a lot. I'm feeling a lot of, a lot of intensity, both personally, but then also as part of this larger uh, country collective and global collective. And, um, you know, as a guy who has really carefully decided to use his life, um, to help people and to, to, to bring goodness out into the world, um, I'm going through a big reckoning and learning of a lot of my own ignorance and a lot of my own, um, just uh, missed, missed opportunities, missed awareness. So yeah, it's pretty intense, man.
0: And talking about this intensity, as everyone knows, uh, the protest got started because George Floyd's murder. And one thing that really touched me, I get the goosebumps just by mentioning it, is that during his death moment, he called out his mom. He's like a 46 year old man, strong, big, he was about two meters tall, 110 kilos, and he called for his mother. This is, Really moves me. When I was talking this to my to my partner today, and I, I almost cried, but just by talking about that. And this might might show and connects with uh, your work with men because shows how men feels lonely, deeply inside, and how this big man was so uh, fragile in this moment that he called out for his mother.
1: Yeah, it was a deeply uh, heartbreaking. Isn't even close to the level of, of what I feel it is but what uh, an example of a deeply human humanizing just fragile uh, like you're right it's, it's um, and it, it may be part of that deep 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 humanness that touched the nerve in so many people to incite this level of of change and cite this level yeah. of, of growth but yeah it just breaks my freaking heart yeah, yeah I got the chills too
0: getting prepared for this interview i i saw you on different podcasts including joe rogan and there you said that humans are social creatures were not meant to be in isolation and how isolation isn't good for us and now three years later the isolation because the pandemic is a matter of safety of healthcare, and how this is both bad for us and good for us and this kind of this is a paradox
1: it, it is a paradox and i i think that Um, there's a lot of interesting things happening, right? So if, if we are purposefully isolating for biological safety, right. For our medical biological safety, um, you know, part of the, the, the benefit of, of what I do and, and where I sit is that I get to hear from men, not just throughout the United States, but from all over the world, and I get to hear not only the stuff that they share with each other and normally social media, that kind of stuff, but actually what's going on in their hearts. And what has uh, one of the main commonalities throughout this COVID experience is um, I feel like the um, effects and the understanding of isolation are being heightened to the point that really means something to people. And the the thing is, is that isolation runs, there's so many deeper shades of it. There's, there's so much more depth to it because so here's an example. So I was isolated with my family, right? My wife and my two kids. And during that time period of isolation, um, we connected more deeply than we ever have been it actually brought a uh, almost magical level of of connection with each other and it's something i'll always remember to and refer to and hopefully i'll be able to bring that um, same level of care and connection for each other into our normal life moving forward and so as we've been isolated i also feel like the problems that men have been, have been having, the problems fathers have been having, they just have been heightened. They have been exacerbated. They have been point. They've been lit on fire, actually. Yeah. And I don't know if this is true for you or, or your listeners, but um, for me, what's been happening through the last you know three months or so has been a a complete burning down of of illusions of things in our, my life and a lot of men's lives that we were just living with and we just sort of accepted, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and, I, and it feels to me like we're getting down to some more rock bottom truth or at least closer to the truth. And um, it's true in my life and it's been true in a lot of the men's lives that I've been interacting with.
0: I think in your case, I, I don't know if it's a like exception or because what they have been reported globally is during the the isolation, uh, the, probably the combination of toxic masculinity and the economical situation, stress and fear increases so much the domestic abuse in the whole world, like even here in Sweden, in Brazil and even China, there was so many cases of that so it's it's interesting because you saw this an opportunity to connect closer and a lot of people saw this a uh, uh, a moment of full stress and the rage inside of them just came out
1: yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, my example was my personal example. So, I think sure. that what this has done is exacerbated what's already true. So, here's the thing: my family already loved like we had a good thing going, and so this time together multiplied that. I do think that the stress and the isolation has multiplied whatever has been real for people. So, if that's a marriage that is just absolute shit and is contentious and not working, then I think that has been exacerbated and 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 men have been dealing with the repercussions of that. If men have been living repressed lives and unhealthy lives with no positive way for their own tension and stress to come out. Yeah, that's and I actually think that, you know, as we're waking up to the to the race issues as an organization for every man, we're waking up to these things. And while we have always intended to not be political, um, there is a a fresh reawakening and, and understanding that there's human human rights issues happening here and it's not political. And yeah, you bring that up. I mean, I just had like a wave of recognition there. I'm like, my God, yeah. Domestic abuse. Like th- that is, um, I mean, it's what we're working against. All of these things are actually what we're working against by helping men get there. But, um, but you're speaking to the clear reality that, that's not how most of the world is. Most of the world's men are troubled, repressed, don't have healthy ways to deal with their own mental health, don't have healthy ways to, to, to connect with people. They just literally have not been taught. They don't know. The system has not supported it, and it's not the way that let their lives are, are structured. Um, so we got to fucking fix that. We got to change yeah. that. We got to do everything we can to change that.
0: Can you t- just talk a bit, like how you started and why, and why did you come up with this idea?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, this is so. There's a handful of us co-founders: uh, Owen, Marcus, and Lucas Crump, and Sasha, Lewis and myself. All co-founded this organization. My story goes like this: I I went to college and started traveling abroad a bunch. I was living in Latin America and um, I needed a job and I I found a job in the Western United States as a wilderness therapy guide. So what I did for about four years was lead groups of young men um, from the ages of 13 to 19 generally on long wilderness expeditions with a mental health focus, right? These kids were struggling at home. These kids were getting in trouble and they got sent to these programs to find themselves, to have a rite of passage, to learn about, you know, themselves and how to um, interact with people.
0: It's like people, kids that have been punished at school, somehow like they, it's kind of a after school thing.
1: Uh, way bigger than an after school thing. It was, you know, th- some of these kids would be sent out to the desert for uh, five months straight. Okay. Yeah. There's, these th- there's an entire industry in the United States called the therapeutic boarding school system. And so these are generally for, uh, wealthier families whose kids are going down the wrong path in a large way and so they send them away to these therapy um, therapy focused schools and programs in order for a large-scale intervention in their kids' lives. Um, so that's one type of program, which is a private pay program. The other type is adjudicated or state-run. So, for example, in Minnesota, in this state, I used to work for a program that was a 21-day wilderness trip that was an alternative to going, sending a kid to jail, right? So instead of sending a kid to jail, they could send them to me and we would go on this incredible outdoor experience and treat, and treat them well and teach them important human things and that kind of thing. So that was the type of work I did for a long time. And in doing that work, I um, I just found I, I found a huge underbelly problem. I found a problem that uh, I feel is pervasive throughout the country and the world, but is rarely spoken about. And that was that these boys were, these were the, the boys that none of us want to deal with. Right. And what I found is that they were trying so hard to be good, to be themselves. But the way that they were raised, the, the human connection that they needed was severely lacking. And they didn't have good male guidance. Rarely did one of these guys have a dad who was really stepping up and doing what he could. And that's not necessarily true. A lot of times the dads were trying, but the dads didn't fucking know how to talk to their kids. The dads didn't know how to love. The dads were so repressed and blocked. And I, was just, I just saw this. I, you know, out in the wilderness where there's nothing else going around, these these things are right in your face. You can't ignore them. And so I just saw and I learned about this um, deep, deep, lack of emotion and lack of connection. That's what I saw. And I was young and I didn't really understand it all the time, but I knew at that time that there's something really important here. And I and what we were doing was good work. It really was good for these boys, but the the thing that I thought the whole time was like, why are we waiting until families fall apart to learn these basic human skills? Why do we wait until things are broken to teach kids how to talk, how to feel, how to how to connect? It it was just this you know, and it's that way with a lot of things, you know, our medical system is oftentimes based on that too. So preventative health, preventative mental health is, has not been, it's been a tough sell in the past. I think we're catching up a little bit. I think doors are opening for more preventative care to start happening. Anyway, that that's where it started for me. And I went through my, my 20s and I, and I worked all over the place. And then I had my own personal breakdown in my late 20s. I, I started, uh, you know, getting really burnt out and engaging in, in decisions that were terrible. And I didn't know myself anymore. And I had a complete breakdown in my late 20s. And in the middle of that, I found my first man's group. And in this men's group, it was in the middle of New York city. There was 10 guys that got together every week to show up and just be really freaking honest with one another. And it really changed my life. It just fundamentally changed my life. And I knew I just, and again, so there's like a, a whole trail here, but it was all leading to starting every man. It happened three years ago after my first son was born three and a half years ago, almost four years ago now. And, um, it's, you know, uh, my and our attempt at bringing a large scale, wide scale address of the problem, the deep underpinnings that men are not dealing with, right? So the fact that we have emotions, the fact that we're disconnected, the fact that we're just, let's just say it, not very mentally healthy. And we have, it's systemic, right? It's, it's a big, it's, it's, it's just how the world has been, and it's a it's a big lift we're trying to do.
0: You know, uh, somehow, yes, this is also the reason I started my, my YouTube channel on the podcast, because... Uh, I realized all the information about parenting were directed to women, directed to the mothers. And I wanted to speak out as a father to tell my version, you know, my point of view of things, and also to talk to other fathers that might could be feeling just like me. So this somehow, like... Is connected to the reason why you created this because the, the the lack of space to to speak out and to listen. Well,
1: it hasn't been it hasn't been culturally prescribed or condoned in the past, right? I mean, it's not a yeah. traditionally masculine thing for guys to get together and talk about their you know how they're fathering their kids. That's just not it's not what my dad was taught to do as a kid, right? And there is, there's, there is, there is an awakening happening there. There definitely is. There's still tension. You know, I think this is still, we're still quite, I'd be curious to what you think, but I think we're still the, the great minority, right? It's not that all men, but I do think that there is a general wave of waking up. Yeah, the, the, the way I think about it is, is it's like it's the work that men need to do today to take care of our kids and the planet and our future. I mean, things are pretty Dicey things are pretty dire right now
0: living in Sweden I uh, changed so much my point of view these things because I I don't know if I live in a completely different bubble yeah because for me like when I left Brazil I wasn't a father so I don't have an experience of being a father anywhere else but Sweden but I experienced living with between fathers and being a son and the thing is when having Brazil this oh does does he help you mm. The concept help you, you know, which means like the mother's job and you have to get in, you know. Oh, does he change diapers? What the fuck? You know, diapers. And here in Sweden, when I remember when I just uh, I moved here, seeing so many men around pushing the strollers was something that really caught my attention
1: really yeah
0: you have no idea you could say it's 50 50 sometimes even more it's so common that you go to a playground you just see men it's so common that you go to a changing room in the shopping centers and you just see men changing the kids yeah this shouldn't be calling my attention
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but so today it doesn't you know and sometimes I, I when I see a man playing with the kid alone and I get in the in the park in there and like in the see like ten kids and eight dads and two moms Today I have to rethink because now it came natural to me. So that's true. What you're saying, like I see a growth, but I'm not sure how much this growth I feel it is because I live in Sweden, uh, or is something going?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to know, man. I I I feel like um, there's certainly going to be geographical differences. You know, in the states here, and I don't know this. This is not fact, but I'm just going to make a guess. You know, depending on where you go and the um, you know, political divides that this country has, you know, the more progressive communities, more progressive families, I think it is becoming the norm for men to be engaged more and more engaged. I think, I think. That,
0: I can imagine like California is super open-minded place and then and New York, but maybe not Texas.
1: I don't know. I, and I do think it's changing. Um, are you familiar with the, the website fatherly? You've ever heard of this? Uh, no, check it out. Fatherly.com is a um, it aggregates uh, you know, articles and content for dads. Mm -hmm. And um, by numbers, it is actually the largest uh, highest volume parenting website in the United States.
0: Cool, which
1: is which is pretty remarkable. And so, yeah, I, I think it is safe to say that dads are more and more um active and engaged here, but you're right. There, there are bubbles. I certainly live in a bubble, right? You know, my, my close community, my friends and my family is, um, you know, dads are, uh, all the way involved, you know, as much as they can. And, and there's still room to grow too. I think, you know, what comes to mind for me as we talk about this though, is the, it highlights to me, the larger overarching, uh, I'm just going to call it a, a catastrophe or a, a deeply sad reality that, um, you know, men is still in many or most parts of the world are somehow disconnected from their family off doing whatever the fuck the man thing is, which generally, if we're honest about it, is suffering right? Men are out here pretending to be, you know, isolated and suffering and doing their thing. And what I think is is deeply, deeply sad here is that not only do their families not get all of them, not only do their kids not get them, but the men don't even get access to their humanity. To me, it goes that it runs that deep. It is for a man to feel, for a man to be able to f- express his full love to his family to be connected that's part of being human it's a, it's a simple part it's actually i think one of the most human parts uh that we all have and i think it's just literally a global pervasive crime for men to stay locked in a place of being frozen and not giving and feeling and living as they can that's that's uh that's my opinion on
0: So why do you think men do not talk to men or they don't open up to each other?
1: There's, you know what? I'm, I'm writing an article about it right now. I'll just list the, I'll list 10, 10 reasons, right? So I'll go quick here. You pull out which ones you feel interesting. One, men are afraid to look weak or incompetent, incompetent. Two, men haven't been show how to feel and express. Three, it's uncomfortable and hard. Four, strong emotions wake up truths that we don't want to face five because it's not considered cool six misogyny men are have misogyny homophobia lack of control uh, there's so many, you know. There's so many ways we can look at it. We can talk about history about how our fathers were in their generation. Where we can talk about the impact of war, where generations of men got sent off to to fight and had massive trauma. Uh, I think one of the ways that my co-founder Owen Marcus talks about it, which I think is actually really brilliant, is that men are collectively in a state of freeze. They are, their nervous systems individually and collectively are locked. So there's you know basically three stances our nervous system systems can take when we get activated, fight, fight, or freeze. And there is just this pervasive sense of being frozen that men are locked into.
0: Yeah, you mentioned something like about uh, how is with the parents and stuff. Uh, I remember still today, I was four years old. I was riding a bike in the playground and I felt on the floor and other kids bullied me. So I ran upstairs crying and my dad looked at me, stop crying, you are man. I was four. I still remember that.
1: And that fucking sticks. I don't know how it is for you personally, but that's what every man does. It gets men together so they can undo all of that repressive, harmful stuff. Because that those things happen, and we take it as as the way to be, and then we literally, biologically, our nervous systems, our brains, everything forms around those experiences. And we—it's a lot of work to undo it. And that's that's what we're engaged in. Here, here's a counterpoint. Yesterday, I was went on. Walk with my boys after dinner, and my youngest—he's uh, 19 months, so about you know one and a half—and he's running. He, you know, he just learned to walk, and he's running now. And he, he fell and scraped his knee, and uh, yeah, I just gathered him up in my arms, and he just—he had a cry, man. He just had a huge cry, and I could tell. It was a cry probably more. There's a lot of change happening in our family right now. So I think the cry had more to do with other things and not just his knee.
0: It wasn't just physical pain.
1: It wasn't just physical pain. And so I just held him, you know, and instead of saying, don't cry, be a man. like, my God, what a cruel thing to say. I just said, get it all out. Just get it all out. I'm here with you. Just keep going. And he cried for a long time and uh, it, it, it felt good it felt right you know
0: yeah you're saying about uh, how this still sticks it's crazy because there's can't be anything worse to listen like when i have any discussion with my partner that she says to me be a man this there's nothing that can bothers me most because and just say, like, what's BMN to you? Like, should I punch you? Should I throw you stuff on you? This is BMN to you. I'm sorry, I'm I will I will not be this man. Yeah. Because that's not what I believe. No matter what she says, I will never do that. I come from a family where my grandpa beated my grandma when she was pregnant of my aunt. Wow and we found out because my aunt is epileptic. One doctor asked her, have happened to your mother and said, I don't know, we never heard about that. And then she kind of put my, my grandma in the corner and she said, yes, it happened. So this be a man is something for me.
1: Uh. Well, it's, it, you, yeah, you're pointing to something really deep and important. And, uh, one of one of our supporters and I'd say mentors is Esther Perel, who's a internationally renowned uh, psychotherapist and just a really wise and brilliant woman. And uh, she she said, I've heard her say it a few times that a woman's deepest fear is to be hurt, um, physically harmed, and a man's deepest fear is to be humiliated. And what I'm getting at there is. That phrase "be a man," you know, is so loaded, so complicated, and what I think it points to is that I feel like the male identity at the bedrock, at the bottom, is uh, is just uncertain. People are are afraid. People are on. Un- they don't know what it means to be a man, right? So if 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 being a man means be tougher or stand up or have a spine or, you know, whatever these qualities are. And so this is actually one of the points that I'm trying to put out there um, as often as possible is that we need to get more specific with our words. Just saying be a man, it's 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 there's, it's so loaded. It's so charged. It doesn't, it's not helpful. I actually feel like talking. Yeah. I feel like talking even about masculine and feminine. I feel like using those words a lot of times, No. it's, it's not even helpful at this because you can't tell a man that you can't label something as feminine. And most men are just about, I don't want to do that, but it's but it's dangerous because if we, if we like that, that act of me scooping up my child and holding him as he cries and encouraging him to let out his emotions, if that's a a feminine act, then goddamn it, I'm feminine. Right. You know, and proudly feminine. Like I'll, I'll stand up for that. So it's, so, I mean, if you're willing to to talk about it, so like if, yeah, if your partner says that to you, be a man, um, what does it feel like? Like, what is it? you get a fear or shame or anger or freeze or like what happens
0: it's crazy because uh i think now she understands how this is harmful and doesn't help at all and then this is connect also to the fact that uh raising now now have a boy and a girl my boy is two and a half and my girl is five months and before having her i i had the feeling that my i have a bigger responsibility in the equality having a boy than having a go because i need to show him what my generation have done wrong and my dad's generation and my grandpa generation to help him to be a much better person than I am, because I tried to be a better father than my dad was. Uh, so I need, and now having a girl, it helps somehow in the house show that we should be equal, and being, having this toxic speech of be a man doesn't help at all for us as parents. We just, I think, we just increase the masculinity thing instead of helping to move this out.
1: You know, I never even thought about this before. <laughs> I don't, hope this isn't offensive, but I don't know. But I, I'm trying to imagine a, a time where I where I would look at my wife, or a man would look at his wife, and be like, "Be a woman." <laughs> like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, you know, try to think of it in the opposite. I don't know what that would even. It doesn't seem to make as much sense.
0: I see, I've seen someone saying like it's almost like a plonism saying toxic masculinity, because it's so hard to see masculinity without being toxic.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I mean, what, what I'm kind of waking up to and uh, I haven't spent, I I don't have a lot of reps in with this type of stuff, but what I'm waking up to is the, how it is truly woven into, um, the fabric of our cultures and it's woven into the system, you know, the, the systems, the institutions and everything we have. I mean, I feel like, um, so much of this, the misogyny, the, you know, uh, uh, abuse at home, but also the racism, also the the economic inequality, all these things are, are deeply tied together. And I, I'm not pretending to have a, a global understanding of it all. But um, I do feel like one of the reasons that some people are so afraid of men, um, uh, reclaiming their humanity is that in some sense it, it does signify um, it is one of the markers of a, of a great shift of, a, of actually a very large human shift um, that if men feel their feelings and men uh, you know love each other and love their families and, and are unlocked I think we're living in a different world and I think that's really scary to people.
0: I think uh, a lot of this racism and bad cops behavior that we see happening globally is a big factor is this masculinity and how you need to be to beat and to be better and not accept the different, not accept that you are weak too, And then these just cover layers, as you've been saying before.
1: Yeah. And I also think it points out a, a stance in which men... Um, simply don't feel. They don't have access to empathy. They don't have access to their emotions. It, it, I mean, at least I, that's, my, that's my guess, right? I don't see how you could be a deeply feeling human, be in touch with your insides and go beat the shit out of somebody and then go yeah. home to your family, right? Like I, I understand that humans have the capacity to compartmentalize and you make someone your enemy, Right, you make someone the other, and then and then you disconnect your emotions from those people. But again, I think we're moving into a time period where um, that's that's not how our human race is going
0: to survive anymore. That's not how we're going to move forward. We can't be. So to help this out, to fix us, <laughs> to fix ourselves, each other, uh, you you have every man, but you don't have in Sweden, right?
1: It's all over the globe. Yeah. I I don't know if there are any, currently any groups in Sweden right now, all of our groups meet online. Okay. So, um, we have, we have groups, we have men in, in, on every continent. We have men doing the work all over the place. Um, but yeah, I think I think I've probably emailed back and forth with some guys from Sweden. I know I have, but I, I don't know exactly what's going on right now.
0: So can you just like briefly say how does it work the the meetings and and if someone wants listen to you today, feel interested to join and to be part of how this person should what should be done? so
1: in the past um what we built our organization on were in-person retreats and events um so we would do weekend retreats we'd do wilderness expeditions uh, and then we've also been supporting men to create their own everyman groups in their own community so what that looks like is you know between six and ten guys who decide to get together once a week or once every other week and we give them a curriculum to get started and you get together and follow the curriculum and really the the process is very simple we learn how to slow down we learn how to touch into what our um, what we feel through our body and our emotion emotional senses and uh and then we we just we practice having hard conversations. We practice saying what's true. We talk about the parts of ourselves that we usually don't show other people. And it's deeply impactful. It's deeply powerful so what we're what we have pivoted to um and covid helped us do this we now have an online membership platform in which um it's just a it's a simple small fee every month to be a part of this and you get connected to a a global community of men and we help place men in their own you can hear my kid in the back what we're doing is we're help we're placing men in digital men's groups that meet through zoom. Um, and there's online courses on our platform and there are, um, events, special events, and there are topics. Um, and, but you know, the, the main event is to, to get into one of those regularly occurring men's groups. And, um, we're really excited to be able to, to offer this digitally now. It's it's a pretty big deal for
0: us. But then the, the curriculum is decided with therapists, how it's decided, the content and is any psychologist background somehow? How oh, does it work? So
1: so none of us know. And that's part of that's part of the point. So um, this is not therapy. Every man does not okay. do therapy. We are not therapists and we never will be. Uh, we do have therapists that are part of our, you know, team and, and but the the important part here is that we are practicing basic human skills that help us create Emotional safety and help us communicate our truth. We come together to support and challenge each other, um, and we don't do therapy, right? So, uh, the myself and Owen, uh, the two co-founders that have been doing this work collectively—you know, between the two of us for fifty years now—at this point, um, we we have uh, Owen developed much or most of the curriculum um, over the past thirty years, and. It is, uh, it's specifically not therapeutic, right? But um, in some ways, because of that, um, we get to go right to it, you know? So this month we have, um, we're sending out um, copy and content for all of our groups to, to really open up and start talking about race in ways that men haven't before. And um, that's just an example, you know? So we have... Uh, depending on what's going on in the world. Um, It might be opening up about being dads. It might be opening up about, uh, you know, sexuality, about um, any parts of us that, that uh, we don't
0: usually talk about. So I I will leave in the, in the description, the the links. Yeah. And for whoever wants to join, uh, I know that we, you are, title time. So I think there's something else that you would like to, to add or like a final message or something.
1: I'd say an easy place to start if, if any listeners are intrigued is every week we, we do these global community calls and they're free. And so we get men signing on from all over the place and we have a theme. Sometimes we have a guest speaker or a guest, guest uh, commentator and we uh, we talk for a while and then we break guys out into small groups and you get to have a taste of how it feels to, to really go heart to heart with some other men and that's a free easy um fun way it's it's sometimes i guess it's tricky european time a little bit it might be the middle of the night um but we also have drop-in groups which are smaller groups you can get a free taste of what we do and we do those throughout the day so um people from different time zones can can drop in and, and check it out
0: I would try to, to be one of these, these meetings. Uh, yeah. And let's see if maybe you could open up a group in Sweden.
1: That uh, would, that would be wonderful. Yeah. I encourage you. I'd love, I'd love for you to jump in and check it out and, you know, other easy ways to check it out and just get more familiar is our podcast is the Everyman podcast. And I do a weekly newsletter. If you go to our website, everyman.com, um, you can just sign up for the newsletter and just get a sense, sense of what's going on
0: well it was intense it was deep and i think that's how it should be we should open up ourselves and talk more and listen more and place us men as people who feel and i think that's the, the very beginning but thank you then very much for your time again thank you for being here today thanks a lot bro. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Hej Bye!